재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Last week, NASA announced the largest ever collection of newly discovered planets verifying nearly 1,300 exoplanets observed through the Kepler Space Telescope. Now, this announcement more than doubles the previous number of known and confirmed planetary bodies outside of our solar system. So to help us learn more about this exciting new discovery, we're very pleased to have joining us from University College London, Department of Physics and Astronomy instructor Dr. Ingo Waldman. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us, sir. Uh, first, I, I suppose for non-scientists like myself, um, it seems remarkable that the Kepler Space Telescope, which has been around for quite a while now, was all of a sudden able to find so many new exoplanets. Um, were there any new methodologies or techniques that took place? Well, so they didn't actually find them right now. So these were already known targets. They were called Kepler Objects of Interest. So Kepler had registered transit-like shapes. So, you know, when the planet goes in front of the star, it obscures some of the light, and you see this dip of light in the, in the stellar flux. And that was already known. But the problem was that uh, they weren't confirmed as planets, so there mm. could have been other objects obscuring the stellar light periodically, like eclipsing binary stars or so on. So we had about 3,700 Kepler objects of interest Round about that, and now they came up with a uh, new technique to confirm some of them. And so we have this massive influx of of planets now that are confirmed. As far as the confirmation process goes, and these other uh, candidate objects uh, that remain, uh, do you believe then uh, they will eventually also be confirmed to be planetary objects? That's a good question. So there's quite some speculation on on the remaining targets. So the the question is really how many false positives what's the, um, are in the Kepler sample. So the false positive being binary stars and so on and so forth. And it's not very well understood what the percentage really is. So if you look at smaller um, planet samples, um, the, the, the false positive rate is very high at about 50%. But if you look at a grander sample like this one now, the false positive actually reduces down to, say, 10 to 20%. So I think we can say more or less confidently that probably half of them will turn out to be planets, mm. probably a bit more. Interesting. Now, I think for a lot of people who may have a passing fancy to science fiction and and all of these uh, really interesting topics, nine of these par- planets apparently ha- are found to be occupying the so-called Goldilocks zone of habitability. Uh, essentially, are these planets that potentially can be habitable? Um, well, yes. Um so, so nine of them there are sort of Earth size. So at the moment we have 21 um, super Earths or Earth planets, Earth-like planets, in the Kepler um, sample, um, also in the habitable zone. So yes, potentially. So the the idea of of this habitable zone is that uh, water is is liquid and stable on the planet. So it's the the planet is the exact right distance away from the star to get the right solar radiation, stellar radiation to make water, you know, big liquid. And and we think that this is a prerequisite for life at the moment. 
that's obviously you know um, oversimplification because right. you may have an, a moon around a uh, around a Jupiter star and planet, and you know that being tidally heated may also have liquid water. But yes, um, there's a there's quite a potential now in the Kepler targets to have something really interesting happening there. In the future, are there any means to study these uh, planets, these ones that you've just mentioned, in closer detail to better assess uh, whether uh, existence of water or these other factors that could uh, prove their or confirm their ability to sustain life? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And in fact, I'm just currently at the Polish Space Agency because we are discussing a space mission that will do exactly this. Uh, it's the aerial space mission, um, which is a concept amongst others. This is a European concept here, which will fly a spectrograph in space um, and will actually observe the atmosphere of these planets um, and look for, you know, signatures of water, signatures of, of um, chemistry, weather, and whether, you know, whether there's ozone, for example, any signs of photosynthesis and so on and so forth. So the problem is with the Kepler planets is that these are usually quite far away from us. So the right. stars are very faint. So we have very little flux actually going through the atmosphere of those planets and then, you know, coming towards us. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean we can't. Some of them we can actually do quite nicely of the new sample, whether the habitable zone planet ones, that's going to be difficult. But there are other planets at the moment being discovered which are much more promising. For example, TRAPPIST-1 system has three Earth-sized planets that are in a habitable zone very, very close to us. Mm. And these will definitely be looked at. And then we have the James Webb Space Telescope coming up in 2018. And uh, so this is this gigantic right. infrared telescope, six meters in diameter. Um, and it will feature a spectrograph as well, which will mm. be very useful for us to actually observe these atmospheres and characterize the planets. Well, for fans of yeah, Star Trek and, and fantasizing whether we'll have a Captain Kirk eventually able to explore these planets and, and, and find uh, uh, extraterrestrials or what have you, uh, does this seem, and I know there are certain um, mathematical uncertainties involved with this, but the likelihood that there is alien life or even intelligent life uh, outside of what we generally consider to be reality, has that any, is that anything that is, um, I guess, uh, discussed or considered among scientists like yourself? Uh, look, I mean, there are at the moment we we know there are about ten to the eleven stars in the galaxy, so that's a one with eleven zeros behind it, and we know from our current statistics and from the. Uh, knowledge that we have of planet and star formation processes that pretty much all of them feature a planetary system mm. so there are at least 10 to the 11 planets in our um, galaxy alone and it would be it would be highly unlikely to think that we're the only ones mm. whether we will ever find them of right. course that's a completely different problem but statistically it's very unusual it would be very very unusual to have the earth as the only habitable and inhabited planet. Right. Well, for for uh, lay people like myself, it is always a fascinating uh, thing to consider and 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 to discuss. I do thank you for your time and for lending us your expertise, Dr. Waldman. Appreciate it. Well, thank you very much for having me.
We've got Soul City News up next.